The queen is coming. You have now entered. Ah. A city yeah. of love. The queen is coming. A city of hope. Ah. A city of rejuvenation. Yeah. The queen is coming. Ah. La la yeah. The queen is coming. Yeah. The queen is coming. La la yeah. The queen is coming. The queen is coming. Ah, la la yeah. The queen is coming. The queen is coming. La la yeah. The queen is coming. Here we wash your robe. Send out a probe. Travel the globe. Travel the globe. The lights might strobe. Light beams might bend. Sound waves might awaken all my sacred kin. Familia, Palenque, Corla, Aleke. Queen is coming. Shlala here. The queen is coming. Hey, Palenque Rose. It is your girl, Queen Lala. And this episode, we have a story to tell you. This is a history lesson. It comes on the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is 100 years later, and this still remains one of the least known and most violent racial incidents in American history. So let me tell you this story. In 1921, over approximately an 18-hour period, on May 31st through June 1st, so we're right here at the anniversary time, a white mob obliterated the black community of Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And to help you understand the context of this story, Palenqueros, you have to know that in 1921, Tulsa was fast becoming this prosperous, abundant, wealthy city due to oil. Oil was being found in Tulsa and people were running to the area to try to become rich through the means of the oil that had been found. So both whites and blacks flocked to Tulsa to have a fresh start. Many blacks flocked there to leave the racism so they thought that they had experienced in the South behind. And so as Reconstruction after the Civil War happened, you saw many blacks moving west. You also saw some blacks that had already traveled west because they were accompanying the indigenous peoples across the Trail of Tears. But the city remained mostly segregated. And even though there were blacks there that had 
begun to develop the city and establish their own city, the community was still segregated. But Greenwood, this all-black community, began to flourish. So many blacks brought with them the skills that they had acquired over slavery. And so these specific trades were highly necessary. They were highly needed. And so there were even whites that went into the black community for certain trades that were specific and found there. But there were also professionals. So many professionals also were within the community and the community continued to grow. And as more blacks arrived, there was more entrepreneurial opportunities and even more growth. So before long, the community had its own bank, stores, hotel, hospital, schools, movie theater. There were doctors, there were teachers, there were lawyers, there were all kinds of professionals that were black and lived in the Greenwood community. They were self-sufficient. They bought goods and resources from each other. So their dollars circulated within their own community, which made them even more prosperous. And they, even though they went out into the other um, community or the white community, so to speak, the dollar was um, recycling within its own community to create additional um, wealth. So it became referred to as Black Wall Street, a virtual mecca for African-Americans where you could go and live free and be successful, enjoy um, being an entrepreneur, live what they had been told was the American dream. Well, there also was some jealousy with regard to that because you're looking at black individuals coming from slavery and many white individuals, although they too had come out for a better life, resented the idea of African-Americans having more or being self-sufficient, thriving, um, demonstrating wealth and owning hotels and hospitals and things of that nature. So there were some unrest that happened on May 31st that was spurred by an interaction between a young black man and a young white woman. And it was misreported by a local newspaper as a sexual assault. It really was what has been reported as just the black man kind of tripping into the elevator and falling into the white woman and she screamed and then the police were called and arrested him to try to figure out what was going on. But when the newspaper heard about it, they decided to sensationalize the events and called it a sexual assault. Well, it was on the front page. People read that newspaper and an angry armed white mob showed up at the jail demanding that this black young man be lynched for the sexual assault of a white woman, even though no sexual assault had occurred. So word reached the black community in Greenwood that there were armed white individuals or a mob gathering and asking the sheriff to send out this young black man because they wanted to lynch him. And the sheriff had denied the request, but some armed black men from Greenwood came down. Maybe 
um, 25 or so to 50. But the mob had already assembled to around 1,500 people of angry um, white citizens. But they came down saying, you know, we have already fought in the war. Some of us are veterans and this is our community and we want justice to be served. We do not want this young man to be lynched. So we're coming down here and we want to speak to the sheriff. We are going to say that we will protect this young man, send him back with us. The sheriff tells them, no, you know, you need to leave. Then an altercation ensued within the crowd between a black man and a white man, both armed and a gun discharged. And once the gun discharged, chaos ensued and erupted. And there was virtually some shootout type of things going on. But the black men eventually retreated to Greenwood because they were outnumbered. Well, meanwhile, the angry, angry white crowd assembled more members. They reached out to other cities and communities and said, we need help here. You know, these black people showed up and came down here with guns telling us what we're not going to do. And we just need to teach them a lesson. How dare they do that? So, Along with the sheriff, who actually deputized hundreds of different individuals, white individuals. So in deputizing them, that meant they could do whatever they feel is necessary under the law. And so these individuals, hundreds deputized, proceeded to go into Greenwood. They went into Greenwood as a mob. They looted. They burned. They carried kerosene with them and torches and burned and bombed over 30 blocks of homes and businesses. They murdered hundreds of black Greenwood citizens, shot them, burned them. They actually had um, planes that they created turpentine bombs, lit them on fire, flew across the community, dropping the turpentine bombs onto homes and stores. And so they actually bombed an American community. This was the first time planes were used before Pearl Harbor. First time planes were used in the country to bomb American citizens. And it was by American citizens simply because of the color of their skin. So this went on for 18 hours. And once the national guard arrived, it stopped the chaos. So many had fled Greenwood tried to get out of town. Others had been killed. The remaining around 6,000 Greenwood citizens that hadn't been murdered or run out of town were actually imprisoned. The National Guard rounded them up and imprisoned them in an internment camp at the fairgrounds and kept all of them there as if after all of this horror and trauma, they were the ones that were guilty of some type of crime. So only those that a white citizen vouched for came down to the fairgrounds and vouched for were allowed to leave. And that was because um, maybe they had to work. So if that individual came down and said, this person works for me, I need them to come to work, vouch for them that they were a good Negro, then they were allowed to come out. But even when they came out, they had to wear a ribbon that was pinned to their clothes that said who vouched for them. And signifying that um, they would be under some type of protection because they had been vouched for and they could go about their business with regard to their work for the day. So no one was ever prosecuted, charged, or brought to justice 
for the death of hundreds, the destruction of millions of dollars of property, and thousands were left homeless. And there was an overall loss of generational wealth because those people that owned those stores, those businesses, the hotel, the museum, all of those things that were populated throughout this town, they never got paid any insurance claim. They never received any reparations. And to this day, no one has ever been paid anything in terms of family members um, for any of the property or wealth that has been lost. That land was taken by um, other white individuals within the city and claimed. And so wealth was able to be acquired with regard to those properties that were built and utilized off the land that had been stolen. So this is another example in American history of a racially charged violent riot massacre. It's more than a riot. It was a massacre that occurred over a flourishing community. And so you have to think about what if these individuals did not have that wealth stolen from them? What would Greenwood community look like now? What would the wealth that have been acquired from entrepreneurial African-Americans over a hundred years, being able to build that wealth, create chains, um, have additional hotels across the country or stores across the country, businesses across the country, pass down that generational wealth to their own children. How would the country look different if massacres like these had not been a part of the history. And then speaking of the history, why has this violence, these incidents, these encounters in American history that were violent, racial, specifically racially motivated, and led to such destruction, massacre of hundreds and thousands of people, why are they left out of the American history books? And then why are people pushing so hard to keep this type of history hidden when it occurred right here on American soil? Acts of terrorism against American citizens that we don't want to share in our American history. How do acts of terrorism contribute to the feelings and beliefs within the African-American community about the country, about opportunity, about reparations, about police brutality? How do all of these things contribute? Especially when you see that all of this was done under the auspices of law and order. These individuals have been deputized and therefore all of this violence was allowed to be carried out because the sheriff had deputized them and they were acting on behalf of law and order through this lawlessness and murderous time period. Who now occupies this stolen land that Greenwood community once stood? And should reparations be paid to these families? And if so, in what form? And how much? Right? So I want you to think about these things, Palenqueros, and I want you to also go to the other resources that have been linked in our show notes so that you can learn more about Tulsa and the Tulsa Massacre 
and Black Wall Street. I will continue to teach on these lessons that are left out of our history books. But my call to action for you is that you understand that by building your own community, you're actually building the wealth of the community. You're empowering others. So how do we continue to tell the story? How do we look for entrepreneurial opportunities? How do we look to help each other to create another Black Wall Street, another opportunity for us to acquire generational wealth and for us to ensure that prosperity is not just about the moment, but it is about the eternity. So that's your call to action, to know more, to inspire more, and to continue to to build through creation and entrepreneurial spirit. So reach out to a black business, support a black business, create a black business, and Let's work together so that we can acquire the wealth that has been lost across this country in many similar massacres such as Tulsa. So a hundred years later, I say, I say to those lives that were lost and those family members that are present and push on, let us remember what they built. Let us honor them and let us not forget this massacre. Until next time, this is your girl, Queen Lala, signing off. Be sure to hit subscribe and follow us on all social media networks. Share our podcast with others. Hashtag the Palenque Podcast. Look forward to talking to you next time. Peace. The Queen is coming. Yeah, Lala, yeah. The Queen is coming. Bow, 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 bow. Set the wrong body armor. Why you ass? Pressing for the queen mother. What's your contribution? It's a community. You know it spells mutiny. We take the ship. We turn the bow. We flip the stern. You got to learn. Put your gas man. Set the wrong body armor. Why you ass? Presents for the queen mother, Gucci gas mask. Saint Brown body armor, why you ass? Presents for the queen mother, queen is coming. Lala Hills, queen is coming. Yeah, yeah, the queen is coming. Lala Hills, queen is coming. Yala, yala, yala. The queen is coming. Lala Hills. Queen is coming. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I said, the Queen is coming. La La here. I said, the Queen is coming.